Nice to see everybody this morning. So, so we were talking about this. Um, we're, we're up in the ante quite a bit with uh, a truck or treat this year with the food trucks, uh, with some other things we're doing, um, some uh, um, presenting the gospel to the kids uh, and here and doing different things throughout. And so we were talking about it. And uh, some, of the, some of our uh, staff is talking this week about which food truck are you going to try and this food truck. And then because we've been talking to a bunch of them, and I think there's some other ones that they're potentially going to get. But but uh, we've got these food trucks going to be showing up here, and they're talking about which one are you going to try. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, these guys are rookies. You try them all. Why would you not? Why would you try one and leave the other two to guess whether they're good or not? I don't. I feel like I'm failing as a leader and a, a direction giver in some kind of ways. Um, I did want to show us the opportunity, I mean, take the opportunity to show us some pictures this morning of our <clears throat> guys in India, our church, I mean, our, our uh, building, our duplex in India, and what is going on with that. And so these are our two pastors. The guy on the, the uh, right in the lighter shirt is Josiah, and the guy on the left is Santosh. Many of you have, have had their prayer cards and those kind of things. This is the building that we've been building, and it's, and it's basically done on the outside. There's a few more things and they're also starting to work on the inside now. Um, we're, we, we're just really excited about being able to, to uh, see what everything, everything's going on here. Uh, next picture. <clears throat> this is also, if you look about where their shoulder, shoulders are, this is the floor line going across there. This was built in a uh, rice paddy. This, the, the whole area there is rice paddies. Uh, coming up, um, literally hundreds of acres in that area is rice paddies. So we had to build the house up, and this is what we were talking about. I think about a month ago I was talking about we need to backfill all of this land. We need to backfill it all up to that line. So that's a lot of dirt. Now, this is India, and so it's, it's a lot cheaper, but this is, this is where a lot of our cost is going to be coming into. And then we're going to be putting a wall around the entire property, not just the house, but around the entire property for safety and some of those things. And there's our two guys. Really proud of these guys. We get to talk with them um, every Tuesday morning. Dr. Matthews and I, we FaceTime, Skype uh, our two pastors. We talk to them about what's going on, uh, where they are in things, um, ministry. We try to help them out with how do you do this? What is, what's another step you can take? And they're both very uh, eager to serve God, eager for other people to know him. They, anytime we throw a suggestion out there, they're right on it. They, they get the ministry done. They're, they're going to a village or, or, or going into the the commerce part of the city and, and praying at a coffee shop or something. Tea shops, actually, is what they have there. And it's just exciting to listen to them, to talk to them. They're both uh, growing uh, greatly in their English and, uh, and also Bengali. There's, so they know English a little bit, and they're, they talk to us uh, the whole time, and so they're getting better in English. But they're also learning Bengali, which is the language of, that, of the, uh, that northeastern part of India. It's not Hindi, which is most of the rest of India. It's Bengali. And so they're having to learn that too. And, and uh, we're, we're just excited and proud of, of what's going on there. They, we, they are basically done with the outside. Like I said, they are working on the inside. We are, we are expecting them to be able to move in there in the next few weeks. And, uh, and so some of the things that, that we want to do, we do have... We do have the money in the bank to do most, although it's going to be right down to the wire, but most of the rest of what we need to do with the backfilling the land and putting the, the wall around and doing all the stuff on the inside and things like that. So here's, here's what I've been asking over the last few weeks and want to continue is that we are, um, we're going to need some money for some other things. 
We want to buy some stuff for him when we get there. We're going to buy furnishings and things. Um, uh, Santosh's wife, Ruby, who's expecting, may not be there by the time we get there, but she'll be there by the end of the year at the latest. And so we want to, because she's having the baby sometime around that time, so we don't know for sure if she's going to um, have the baby and then move there or move there and then have the baby. And uh, there's a lot of cultural things that we're trying to process through with them on this. But, but we want to we buy some house furnishings, um, you know, a bed, a, a, a kitchen table, I mean, things like that. They just don't have this stuff. And, uh, and this is challenging to just go out and buy it like we would in, in our society and those kind of things. So um, we, want, we want to encourage you to give financially to that, to contribute to that. We're also going to let you know as we get a little closer some things that you can donate that we can take with us. Um, things like blankets or stuff like that. But that's going to be limited because of, of our space, what, what we can take. But we've already got the flights booked. Uh, Dr. Matthews and I are going. Jerry's not going with us this time. Um, we we are, are leaving. We're going to be gone over Thanksgiving, sometime around that time frame. I have to look at the dates. But uh, we're going to be gone around right over Thanksgiving. And so we're getting ready and excited for this. Uh, I've never met the guys personally. I've, I see them online. I... I talked to him, but I haven't met him face-to-face, and so just really excited about all of this. So be thinking about what you can contribute to this, how we can, how we can uh, push this forward. We are going to need some more stuff. We're going to need some more money. We're going to need some more things uh, to, as we continue, and we're also going to be carrying their salary for five years, so that's a, that's a cost with that, too. So um, I, I wanted us to uh, pray for something this morning. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but to explain this um, fairly briefly. Uh, for the last few weeks, I've been um, working with a pastor that has really been um, struggling with uh, depression and anxieties and some things like that. And uh, we found out uh, Friday morning that he took his life. And so we need to pray for um, his wife we need to pray for his kids, grandkids, um, his church. He, he spoke at his church last week, and uh, now this week they're going to be having to figure out what to do about this. And so this is um, it's just one of those things where you, man, I hate Satan. I, I hate his lies. I hate his, his uh, tricks and his traps. And... Um, so, so let's pray. God, we lift we lift this family up to you, God, and Lord, I ask you to touch his wife, Lord, that she could see this coming and she couldn't do anything about it. And uh, Lord, we ask you to give her, give her your grace and your peace right now. She needs you. She so much needs you right now, Lord God. And his kids and grandkids that are going to be trying to figure this out over the years, Lord, they need you. And that God, their church, that are trying to figure out what to do now. And God, if he would have just told them. So Lord, we ask you to bring your grace and your peace to these people. And destroy the junk that Satan has already been doing and going to continue to try to do. God, I ask you to help him through this. Walk him through this in the name of Jesus.
And God, I pray right now in this room, if there's anybody that is, that is processing something that is so final and so horribly fatal, not just to the person, but to all of the souls and the spirits around them, God, I ask you to break that stronghold right now in the name of Jesus. Break that stronghold. God, I ask you to bring grace into our lives and, and help us to see how amazing even today that you created, how amazing today is and how beautiful the mountains are and that we're going to miss that and that Satan can lie to us that it's better. And so, Lord, I ask you to destroy the junk that Satan's doing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Obviously, you don't know um, who these people are, and I don't really have the liberty to say that, but um, please pray for them, and pray for them this week. Anytime you think about it, um, just pray for them. So, <clears throat> so I'm looking at, um, two weeks ago, we were looking at the gifts of the Spirit, and in processing, working through, trying to make sure that we understand the difference between what we would, would see as our, our uh, personal prayer language, praying in the Spirit, um, and then also the gift of tongues that is for the corporate body, and understanding the difference of those. We walked over that in 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to kind of take the next step of this, and we're going to walk down through 1 Corinthians 14 this morning and really look at the, the differences and look at and understand uh, what, what Paul is trying to accomplish. Now remember, uh, we, we have, we've got to the point where so, so God has established this grace thing right immediately after Adam and Eve's uh, sin and, he, and establishes this and develops this and starts the, the sacrifice, all this stuff. And he brings us to the point of Jesus being that final sacrifice on the cross. And we see that grace moment there. And, uh, and then Jesus says, now take this, this understanding, this grace thing, this salvation, and you need to take it to the world because that's why I died. I died for the world. I didn't just die for the, the, the 12 um, apostles or, or the, the, you know, the couple hundred people right there. He dies for the whole world. So he says, take this gospel and take it to everybody. And he says, now when you do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back it up with signs. I'm going to back it up with miracles. He says that, that uh, miracles will happen, signs and wonders will follow, people will speak in tongues. Um, that is all as part of that, that package, that as we begin to tell people about who Jesus is, these things are going to be happening. And, and, and it really kind of makes sense if you just process it. When you, when you think about this is a supernatural message, supernatural gospel that we're giving to people that change them and transform them supernaturally on a physical, spiritual, emotional, mental level, this changes them supernaturally, that we have that, that then, then, then it makes sense that supernatural things will be connected to this, miracles and stuff like that, Okay. So then he says, now I'm going to give you some stuff to help you with this. I'm going to give you uh, my word. I'm going to give you who I am in written form so that you know this and you can unpack this. You can understand uh, me and all the different things about me. And he says, then I'm also going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to take this gospel. And then he says, I'm going to give you these gifts, what I talked about last week in 1 Corinthians 12, these gifts of the Spirit that will help you accomplish the task of, of what? Pursuing God, knowing God, and telling others about him. It's, it's, it's always going to be about that. It's going to be about knowing God and telling others about him. And so that's where we get this understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, that they are given to us as tools, as gifts to us to help us to accomplish spe 
specific things. It's not just, hey, here's some stuff, okay? And these gifts specifically that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 are for the body. They're for the corporate setting like what we're having here now. This is, there's a lot of gifts that are mentioned in, in the New Testament that are specifically called gifts, and they're not all necessarily for corporate church services. Okay, These are specifically mentioned as for the corporate church services. All right, Now, uh, the, the, and, I'll, and I'll show as we, as we go back and forth through this, Paul is talking again in 1 Corinthians 14, just like in 12, he's talking to the body of believers. But then he goes back and forth some and shows us the difference in the individual uh, aspect of this and then the corporate and why they are different and, and how they, we can respond to this. So I'm going to read three verses up front. I mentioned this two weeks ago that we should be desiring the gifts, we should be seeking the gifts, all of us should. This is not, this is not for the special holy few or, or those uh, extra mature or something like that. Every person in the, the body of Christ are, are supposed to be seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's who, that's who we are. That's what's supposed to happen. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 1. First uh, Corinthians 14, verse 1, let, your, let love be your highest goal. Now, thir- 13, chapter 13, in between 12 and 14, is, is why the purpose of the gifts. The gifts are supposed to be accomplishing something, but not necessarily the purpose, the foundation. The foundation of all of this is love. That is, love for God is why we have the gifts, so that we can pursue Him. As we love God and as we let Him love us, then these, these gifts help us understand Him and know Him and, and hear His voice, Okay. Then um, loving others, that as, we're, as we love other people and care about them, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit softens our heart to care about people, care about souls. Not just care about people in a relational sense, but care about them transcendently. Care about them beyond the limitation of life and care about them eternally, which means we're going to have a desire to tell them about Jesus. So in loving God, being loved by God, loving others, the Holy Spirit, that is, that is the foundation of this. That's what chapter 13 is about. So then, as we jump into chapter 14, he says, let love be the foundation of this. This is, this is the point of all of this. It's not about, it, it, churches get caught up in all this. It's about, you know, about the church and about church being exciting and about um, being a pumped up church and, a, and, a, and a, you know, going forward, we're always hyped and, and those kind of things. Or it's about somebody's ministry. Or it's, it's not about any of that stuff. It's, it's about loving God, loving other people. And if we let love, that's why 13, chapter 13 is in between 12 and 14. So that we understand that as we are operating as a body together with the, the Holy Spirit speaking to us and through us and those kind of things, the reason is because we're supposed to love each other. It's not supposed to, so we can be more um, in, in authority over people or more, more spiritual than other people or those kind of things. It's not any of that stuff. It's that we love each other. And because I love you and because you love me, you're going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and let the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate through you because you want to hear God's voice and you want other people to hear God's voice. That's, that's, that's the concept of this whole thing. Verse 12 of 14. The same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Now, we're going to go, chapter 14, we're just going to walk down through chapter 14. But to, to, to get this established first... All of us are supposed to walk in the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. All of us. We're all supposed to seek. It didn't say a select few are supposed to seek. He said, you, seek, earnestly seek. All of us are supposed to be desiring the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. Right Now, when I grew up, I just thought there was, 
like the, the handful of chosen ones that were the, the, the spirituals, you know, whatever. They were the ones who did all the gifting and walking in the gifts and the tongue talking and all that kind of stuff. I, I never thought that this was something for the, the larger body until I got to a church as I became an older teenager. I got to church and I realized, wait a second, th- this is for everybody. It was, it was taught and understood this for everybody, okay? Guys, please, please know this. A Holy Spirit wants to speak to every one of us in this room. And not only does he want to speak to you, he wants to speak through you. That's very important. He wants to speak to you, and he wants to speak through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not a natural, physical thing. This, this is a spiritual thing. This is why it's... This is, this is what it means when we're worshiping God in spirit and truth. This is beyond us. This is a God thing, and, and we get to be participants, active participants, but at the same time, this is a supernatural thing. So starting in verse 1 of uh, 14 again, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, and he is saying this as the gift of tongues, that he talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. He is not talking about the ability to pray in the Spirit or speak in tongues in a general sense, what you would, what you would call your prayer language or something. This is not general speaking in tongues. This is the gift of tongues. All of these two chapters, 12 and 14, are about the corporate body and how this operates in the corporate body. This is not individualistic. Okay, he's going to talk about it needs to be interpreted and all this stuff, but think about this. In Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They all spoke in tongues and nobody interpreted. So if, if, if that is the exact same thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in Acts 2 as he is talking about right here, then why was there not an interpretation in Acts 2 or an interpretation in Acts 5 or interpretation in Acts chapter 19? The reason is because that was them just praying in the Spirit. We'll see that as we unfold this a little bit more. Okay. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. Now, there's a bunch of things going on right here. One is, when you're speaking in tongues, you're talking to God. So if somebody says to you, well, I don't believe in speaking in tongues is for today, we don't want to talk to God today? It's weird how people can just come up with a theology and throw it out there, write books about it, all kinds, of, and it's not biblical. The Holy Spirit wants every one of us in this room learning to pray in the Spirit stronger and better every single day. He wants every one of us speaking in tongues. Why? Because he says, if you speak in tongues, you're talking to God. Okay? Since people won't be able to understand you. Now, I've had a, a lot of conversations these last couple of weeks about uh, this subject because I know it's, there's a lot of stuff that are unclear and unknown to people. So, um, so somebody was talking to me about speaking in tongues. In Acts 2, they, had, they spoke in different languages, 16 different languages that were mentioned in their people groups, and, th- and that they could hear them in that. 1 Corinthians 13 starts off with talking about how you can speak in the tongues of men and of angels. In other words, tongues will be a spiritual thing that, that may not be a language of the earth, and it can be a spiritual thing that is a language of the earth. The apostles that were speaking in those languages in Acts 2, and people heard them speak in those foreign languages, they didn't know those foreign languages. It was a supernatural moment. Okay? They did speak in languages of earth, but they also speak in languages of heaven. Now, he says here, you will not be able to understand. 
People won't understand what you're saying. You're not even understand what you're saying. Now, part of the reason that that's important to us is because we're going to talk about interpretation a little bit. Um, I've had a few people ask me just this week about the interpretation. Do they hear, when somebody is, gets the gift of interpretation, do they understand that language? In other words, if I speak Polish, will I wait until I hear somebody speaking in Polish and then I return that, I mean, I interpret that because I understand Polish. That is not, it literally says, people won't understand you. The interpret, the person that gets the interpretation, it's a gift that's given to them. They don't know what they're hearing. They're not understanding it and then telling you what was said. They are getting a gift of interpretation that is supernatural. If you could just understand the language, it wouldn't be called a gift. It would just say, you understood them, now interpret it. But it is the gift of interpretation. In other words, you don't understand it, but all of a sudden, now you're the one that's interpreting it. That's pretty cool. Okay? Why? Because that's a supernatural thing. It's not like you understood it. It's supernatural. I'll explain that a little bit too. You will be speaking by what? When you're speaking in tongues, you'll be speaking by what? The power of the Spirit. So again... Why would we not want that? There are, there are chunks of the church in today's society that believe everything that I'm saying this morning is horribly wrong, that it's bad, that, that, that it's even wrong or demonic. In fact, when I first became a youth pastor, um, 1990, 91, we were youth pastors of a church, uh, of a city, in, church of city in Texas, and there was a big Baptist church in town there that I, I didn't understand this or know this. I kind of knew in my head that this was the past but I had never come across this. But one of my teenagers brought me a flyer from that other church. And this was a flyer they were handing out in their church. They were handing this out in their youth group and in their church. And it said on there, the Assembly of God Church in town just got a new youth pastor. My name was on there. And they said, stay away from him because this is demonic. And it says on there, it would say, stay away from him because speaking in tongues is demonic. That's what it said. I was like that's wrong. That's cold. My name was on it. I was like, I didn't think anybody really believed that. 1986 was the year the Southern Baptist Convention took Pentecostal churches off their cult list. Cult list. Okay? Now, with that being said, there are people that that strongly disagree with a lot of this stuff. But listen to this again. This is what the Bible is saying. Okay? A person, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit. Holy Spirit. Capital S, Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives you the ability to speak in tongues. Okay? He says, but it will all be mysterious. Which is why chunks of the church have worked really hard to keep this away. Um, Specifically in America. This really is pretty much an American phenomenon, by the way is this, um, we don't want mysterious things, we don't want spiritual things. You go around the rest of the world, and there's spiritual stuff everywhere in everything. But in America, we have so sanitized everything and, and made it so clinical that we don't let mysterious happen in spirituality. Which is kind of weird, because the very name spirituality means it's going to be mysterious. You can't totally understand God, and you never will be able to. And think about this. Do you really want to serve a God that you do understand everything about Him? If you could understand everything about God, then you can serve a person 
I understand people less than that. But we're not ever going to totally understand God. We're, we're always going to be seeing new things in Scripture. We're always going to be seeing new things about God and understanding stuff. Now, it's not new for God. He's the same. But it's new for us. And it's mysterious. And it's beyond our understanding. And that's why people don't like it in America. Because we don't like anything that's supernatural or spiritual in the church. Now, we can go to movies and watch demonic beyond belief of how detailed and accurate. And I, I, I talked to somebody a couple years ago about some movie that was happening. And they said, oh, that's all make-believe. And I said, it is not make-believe. That's the scary thing about it, is that is not make-believe. That's true. That's real. But in America, we've been bought into, we bought into the mentality that it's, it's not real. It's make-believe. That, that stuff doesn't really happen. But that stuff happens, and it happens all over the world. And by the way, it happens in America, too. But we've just learned to hide it, not look at it. But this thing is mysterious. We are spiritual people, and this planet is a spiritual thing. There are spiritual battles going on constantly. We're, we're looking into eternity. We're looking at the past in a spiritual way. Everything about this is spiritual. And somehow we've convinced ourselves that it's just what I can feel and touch. And it's not. He says this is mysterious. That's why it gets scary or confusing sometimes. But one who prophesies strengthens others. Now, again... Verse 2, if I'm speaking in tongues, I'll be speaking to God, and I'll be speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So speaking in tongues is about me, we're going to see that, and then speaking and prophesying is about other people. A person who speaks, speaks in tongues, verse 4, is strengthened personally. Would you, why would you not want that? Why would you not want that? I was, sitting in a, I was sitting in a seminary class at Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. Assemblies of God Theological Seminary in a class that was called Pentecostal Leadership. And in that class, there was a, a handful of pastors sitting around the, the, the table, about 12, 15 pastors. And we began to talk about walking in the Spirit, and somebody brought something up about speaking in tongues. And almost every single pastor, there was me and maybe two other guys that were on the other side of the, the subject. Almost every one of those pastors there said some version of, we will not allow people to speak in tongues in our churches. I'm like, wait a second. You're assemblies of God, right? In other words, you sign your name at the bottom of a piece of paper that I sign every year that says not only do you believe this stuff, but you are preaching it publicly. He says we do not allow people to speak in tongues in our church. I'm like, so you don't want them to be strengthened. You don't see that as something that's good. You see that as something that's bad. You don't want them speaking to God from the Holy Spirit, and strengthen personally. You see those as bad things. I can understand if I'm talking with a Lutheran pastor about this, but these were Assembly of God pastors sitting in an Assembly of God doctoral class about Pentecostalism. My, my next thought also was, I, the arrogance that you have, that you think you can't, that you can stop somebody from speaking in tongues? That you can stop it? 
That somebody's sitting in a worship service, worshiping God, and you overhear them speaking, you go, shut up. Stop it. Stop it. How, how self-focused and arrogant is that? I could not believe it. It, it literally floored me. In fact, I spent the whole week discussing this politely with them. Look at this again. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So there's an importance on both sides. Okay? Now let's go to, and he's going to get more to this in a little bit. Let's go to just praying in the Spirit, just speaking in tongues. Just you, that strengthens you. That's your, this is why my theological stance, as soon as if God believes that, being, that um, speaking in tongues is the evidence that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, I still think that that is so weak. It is so little compared to what it really is. I, I don't disagree with it. I, I, I agree with it. I do. But I think it's like this compared to the big subject. See, when it says right here, speaking in tongues strengthens you personally, to me, that is not a proof of something. That is the something. It's not proof you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It is you being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is you being empowered. It is you being strengthened. It's not a sign of it. And, and yes, I've had these discussions with some of God leadership. I, I would like them to change this. I had this discussion with our general counsel superintendent, Dr. Wood, a couple years ago. I would like them to change this. That it's not a sign of it. It is it. The reason that we've messed up for so many years in the Assemblies of God is because we've been, we've been looking for a sign that means nothing. It's a sign. But we need to be looking for the power. We need to be looking and, and wanting to receive the power. That's the point. It's the power. He says, you will be strengthened personally. But when you prophesy, you strengthen the church. So they both have a point, a place. He says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. Now, remember, he's already told us. I read the scriptures, three different scriptures where he said, seek this, seek this, seek this. He wants this happening in our world. Okay? For prophecy is greater than tongues. And I, again, I've heard people take that part of the sentence and just stop there and say, therefore, um, tongues isn't important. We should only be seeking prophecy. Okay, prophecy, I mean, tongue strengthens you, prophecy strengthens the church. And then he says, prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets, which means if somebody interprets tongues and prophecy, tongues and interpretation together are just as important as prophecy. Because why? That's, it accomplishes the same thing. The tongues part of it strengthens a person, me individually. The interpretation strengthens everybody else. The tongues strengthens me. And by the way, let's just look at this kind of practically, how it applies. I don't think that the that, that people that are speaking out prophetically in church, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, any of those kind of things, I, I would have a hard time believing that they didn't spend the time right before that praying in the Spirit, strengthening themselves personally, getting themselves ready to give the corporate side of this. The idea that that just happens in a vacuum doesn't even really make sense if you think about it. But sometimes we take that and we put it into a different category. He said, prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be very helpful. Now, again, he's talking about the body together. He says, every lifeless instrument like the flute 
or the heart must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. If the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? And I personally believe he's doing um, uh, kind of like uh, uh, double entendre right there in the scripture. I believe that he's not only saying the bugler needs to, to sound this clearly so that you know that he is sounding. I also believe that he is showing us that that's part of what tongues accomplishes in a church service in relationship to tongues interpretation. Is when somebody speaks out publicly, not, not, their, not worshiping in the spirit, which, which we should all be doing through the service. But once it comes into a corporate thing and now somebody is speaking in tongues, it's like the bugler just bugled and said, hey, pay attention because God's going to speak to us. And that's the next step. Of the thing. This is the call that says it. Because basically, if you think about it, that's what tongues does in a corporate setting. I'm talking the gift of tongues, not your personal prayer language. But the, the gift of tongues, it's basically, it rings the bell, blows the bugle, and says, hey, God's speaking to us. Everybody pay attention. It gives the band an opportunity to quieten down a little bit. That's what it does. I say that a little jokingly, but that's actually true. So, and everyone else. So he says... It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words that they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. And that's a little, little point of confusion that, that sometimes uh, churches get into. They say, well, I, I've actually had this said to me before. The person that gives the message in tongues shouldn't interpret it. That should be somebody else. That's not what it says. It says the person that gives the message should interpret it. And then if they don't, then I guess somebody else can. But it's the person that gives the message that should interpret it. Now, I know that the way I grew up, and probably many of you in here, if you grew up in any kind of Pentecostal charismatic setting, it's usually the opposite. The person that gives the message is not the one that gives interpretation. At least that's my experience. Anybody kind of seen that growing up? Any, not just me? Okay. All right. But that's not actually what it says. It says if you're the one that gives the message, you should give the interpretation. All right. Now, let's, let's continue on. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. That's a good thing, guys. If I'm praying in tongues, my spirit is praying. Now, this is where he has switched more into the individual side of this. He's not talking about the corporate gift of tongues right here. He's going to explain some things about the spiritual walking in understanding tongues personally so that he can get the bigger picture of the gift to be understood with us. Now he's talking about praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. He's not talking about the gift of tongues that is for everybody to hear. This is him personally, which is important because... We all have the opportunity and should be praying in tongues. He says, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. And guess what? Other people don't understand what you're saying either. Going back to the interpretation thing. What then shall I do? And look at this. This is huge. He says, I will pray in the spirit. And I will also pray in words that I understand. I will sing in the spirit. And I will also sing in words that I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? All of a sudden, he, he brings it back around. Look, look at what he's saying. He's saying, I, I'm talking about all of us in this room. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in words you can understand. Sing in the Spirit. Sing in words that you can understand. We're all supposed to be doing that stuff. 
But then he says, but how are we as a corporate body going to understand unless you speak in a language that people get? So here is a good way to explain this. During a worship service, worship bands up here playing, singing, Pastor Shelby's leading worship. You're here and you're worshiping God. You're praying in the spirit and you're praying in your native language. You're, you're singing in the spirit and you're singing in your native language. Okay. That is not Pastor Shelby's job. Her job is to sing in her native language. Why? Because she's leading all of us together. You that are sitting there worshiping, you're not leading all of this. It doesn't matter whether you're praying in the Spirit or praying in a language you understand. In fact, you should be doing both of those constantly throughout the service. But the person that's leading needs to be leading in one language that we understand. Because if she didn't, it wouldn't make sense. We wouldn't know what we're doing. If nothing else, the band would have no clue when we're going to the course or the verse. They need to know this. And so she needs to lead. We're not not having her stand up here to lead worship so she can pray in the Spirit the whole time. Now, if... if, um, Sometimes my wife leads. If Linda's up here leading and Pastor Shelby is in the congregation worshiping, she can worship in the Spirit the whole time because she's not leading this. It's the same concept that he's trying to explain and will some more that my job as pastor is I've got to be communicating in words that we understand because we're trying to get somewhere corporately. It doesn't mean that you're not in your mind or even as... In fact, I was doing this last week when Dr. Hashemont was speaking. I'm over there on my phone and taking notes, doing some things, and I catch myself praying and praying in the Spirit while I'm listening to him and I'm taking notes because it's engaging me. It's, I, I can tell the Holy Spirit is saying, Scott, this right now, this, you need to listen to this. This is good. You need to hear this. You need to understand this. But if I get to this place and this role, I can't just stand up here and speak in tongues the whole time. We don't get anywhere as a body. It only strengthens me. Now, would I be strengthened? Sure. Would I enjoy it? Sure. Would I be speaking to God? Yes. From the Holy Spirit? Yes. But that's not why we're all getting together. And it wouldn't take long for many of you to go, I guess I could go home. I could do this at home. The reason we get together corporately is because we need to get to a direction. We need to get God's word. And that's why my responsibility, the worship leader's responsibility, is to do it in the language that we understand. But you pray in the Spirit. Sing in the Spirit. Worship in the Spirit. Because why? It strengthens you. Why wouldn't you? It strengthens you. It's good for us to do this. So he says, but for if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you? He's talking about the the corporate context, the leadership. Praise God along with you. How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. This is for the leadership in in the moment. It's not for the other people. That's why he said, that's why you should pray in the spirit, pray in your life. That's, That's you. But whoever's here needs to be doing it singularly. Then he says in verse 19, but in a church meeting, in a church meeting, in other words, he's saying as the leader in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. 
Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but mature in understanding matters of this kind. Now think about this. What I mentioned earlier about the, the horror movies and stuff like that, we're the exact opposite in our country right now. We understand lots of things about evil. We understand the demonic and evil that is, that is frightening how well we know that, but we don't understand the things of God. We don't know something simple, something simple that was consistent in the, everybody in the New Testament church like speaking in tongues. We're, we're, we're babies in that, but we're very mature and demons that can spin their heads around and spit things out and crawl upside down on ceilings. And we got all that stuff. But speaking in tongues, we're babies. And he says, you should be the opposite. Who cares if you know what the world's doing? Who cares if you understand evil? Who cares if you understand this, this, the junk that's out there? Who cares? It doesn't, it's only detrimental to you. But you need to know the things of God. You know, things of the Spirit. You've got to know those things. <clears throat> he said, it is written in the Scriptures. I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through lips of foreigners. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. That sentence confused me forever. Here's the thing that I found out was when an unbeliever, somebody that is completely new to this, now not somebody that grew up in the church world and has been taught against it, but somebody that really doesn't have a clue about this, when they hear somebody speaking in tongues, they recognize this is a spiritual thing. They get it in ways that that I, I think God just puts that intuitively, intuitively within us. They get it. I, they, I, some of you that grew up in Pentecostal church, you're going to understand this. If you, if you didn't grow up in this, you're not going to understand what I'm about to say. Lynn and I have discussed this tons over the years. When I was a kid, I used to be scared to death to invite somebody to church because I just knew there was going to be a message in tongues, interpretation, or something like that that happened that morning. I just knew it. And I invited my friend from school, and I want them to think I'm cool and all this other stuff. And then I invite them to a church, and sister so-and-so has a fit. So I saw it as a kid. I didn't see it as spiritual. I didn't see it as good. I saw it as a fit. And she's a whoo, and then starts speaking in tongues. And I'm like, they are never going to come back to church with me again. And they're probably going to tell all their friends at school that I'm a nutcase. That's literally what I thought. And so I wouldn't invite my friends. I, Lynn and I discussed this over the years. She thought the exact same way. In fact, we, we had this discussion as adults, as youth pastors. We used to be scared to death as youth pastors to bring somebody to church because that stuff would happen. And then one day, I got to thinking about this, of all of the people that I actually did invite. I had a friend of mine that, was, that when we were kids, I invited him to church, and that invariably, it happened the very first time I invited him. And he told me the next week, can I go back to church with you? That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it literally in my head, I'm like, you don't want it. It could happen again. You don't want that. You don't want that to happen. Guys, it just says right here, I'm not saying this. Scripture says it's a sign to the unbeliever. When somebody does not know Jesus, somebody does not understand who the Holy Spirit is. But here's the reality. They're still spiritual people, and they can sense things and feel things spiritually, even if they don't belong to Jesus. God's made us this way. And somebody speaks in tongues, they go, wait a second. That was pretty cool. Now look at this. He says um, that it's a sign for not believers, but unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. 
Now look at this. Even so, if unbelievers or, who, or people who don't understand these things come into your church meetings and hear everyone speaking in another language, they'll think you're crazy. But he just got through saying you should have the message in tongues for the unbeliever. What he's saying is the difference between what's going on in the body and what the individual that is leading it is doing. We're supposed to have messages in tongues. Now look at this. This is how we know it is because the very next sentence, he says... But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers are people who don't understand these things come into your meetings, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring, God is truly here. The unbeliever, when they hear tongues, they say, wait a second, this is a spiritual moment. And then when they hear the interpretation of prophecy or word of knowledge or something, and it literally, literally picks their life apart... They can't, they can't get away from that. They recognize that was a spiritual moment. And some of you, or many of you in here, you've experienced that, where you're, you're thinking something or praying something. In fact, we were talking about this last week. The reason I had Jan come up in second service because of the message she gave in first service was this is something that had spoke to quite a few people, myself included, Pastor Shelby had mentioned this, that this was exactly what we had been praying about and talking about that week. That's not coincidence. I have literally had this happen to me where I'm sitting in a service and I'm, I'm thinking something. I'm asking God a very specific question. I'll just use something ambiguous to, to say this. I'm like, okay, God, is are, are unicorns really purple? Okay? And then I go to the service. Okay, there's no unicorns in that purple. But you understand what I'm saying. Then I go to the service and, and have a message in tongues, interpretation, and somebody says, God wants you to know he heard your prayer and unicorns are really purple. I've had stuff like that happen. Not, you understand. I, and, and in the middle of that, you're just like, how did they know that? There's no way. And that's just God going, <laughs> that's, they're going to like that. Because why? He wants to speak to you, and he wants to speak through you. Please know that. Please own that. And he wants to do that with every one of us. And this is what this whole thing is about. Praying in the Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit strengthen you, and then being ready for him to use you to speak to other people. So I, I put four things down. I think they're important for us. Where do we go with this? Number one, all of us should speak in tongues. Every one of us. You know, I had this years ago. I was in a service, and, and I was a youth pastor. And, I'm, and um, at our youth service, and this, this kid had come in. He had, been, he had grown up Baptist, and he had, he had been told all of his life that this stuff was bad or demonic or whatever the case is. And, and I was still young at that time. I didn't know that, that people really thought that kind of stuff. It didn't make sense to me. But he came into our service because he started dating a girl in our youth group, and um, he was a Christian, kind of nominal, but he was a Christian. And he came in, and, and he's sitting there one time in the service, and God is just really moving in his spirit, moving deeply in his spirit. And he's got his hands raised, and he's worshiping God, praying, bawling, crying. And, uh, and I'm, I'm at the keyboard with our, with our youth band, and I'm, and I'm watching him, and, and he's sitting right over here, and all of a sudden he just stops, looks around, puts his hand down, and just walks out of the building. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of, I like take it, turn to the band, and I, I'm, I let them play, and I leave, and I go walking out, and he's standing out front, and I said, what's going on? And he said, he said, I just felt like God's presence was so strong, and God's working on me, and I feel like I'm, I'm drawing closer to the Lord than I've ever been to him before, and you just go do all this stuff. I'm like, right, and then he says, and while I'm there, and I'm worshiping, and praising God, and he said, all these silly words came into my head, and I'm not going to let Satan do that to me, so I left. <sighs> so I said, okay, train, let's go over the details. Let's go over the stuff that you just said. You're drawing close to God. 
You're sensing his presence. He's breaking your spirit down. He's humbling you before him. He's pulling you closer to him. And then you're telling me that all of a sudden Satan jumped in the middle of that and gave you words to say to mess this whole thing up? That, Satan really had that much power at that moment? This whole thing's about God? And you think Satan did that? But he'd been taught that all of his life. He said, well, then what am I supposed to do? Was that God? I said, yes, it was God. He said, what am I supposed to do? I said, say them out loud. I don't even understand them. Good, then it's biblical. I just read that. I said, I don't understand them. Right. Pray that out loud. Guess what begins to happen? That experience you were having all of a sudden becomes empowering. It is empowering. I had this question this last week from some people too. Is, well, you know, I... I, I kind of grew up with this mentality, and I asked this person, I said, you, is this the way you look at it? And he said, yes. I said, then, then you need to stop looking at it this way. It's not right. I thought this. He thought this. For years, I thought this, that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit or you have some kind of Acts t- chapter 2 experience, the, the heavens open, the light shines down, you have an out-of-body experience, and you are not in control of anything. That's not how it is. Holy Spirit is the one giving you this. But it's still your brain and your mouth and your body. You can choose to or choose not to. That's why he said, seek the gifts. In other words, you're the, choose, you're the, you're the one that chooses whether you're going to do this. He said, I can pray in spirit or I can pray in my own language. You're the one who's choosing. Holy Spirit's the one who's giving you the words, giving you the moment. But you're the one choosing to say words. He doesn't control your mouth. He doesn't control your brain. You're still the one doing it. I had this conversation with my mom when I was a teenager. She was talking about my great-grandfather, and he was this... He helped start the Assemblies of God. He planted churches all through um, the South. And very godly man, no doubt about that. And she said, well, you know, he would, when he was walking in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit would come on, he would do things, you know, all this stuff. I would say, like, what? You know, he would dance in the Spirit. Or he would sing in the Spirit. Just like Paul is describing. But the way she was saying it, I thought, wait a second, that doesn't sound right. I said, are you saying that the Holy Spirit was totally in control and he had nothing to do with it? She said, yeah. So a few days later, I, I processed this. A few days later, I came back to her and I said, I, I, I need to ask you again. You're saying that when great-grandpa Russellton did this, like, like he would dance in the Spirit, that he was not the one dancing. It was the Holy Spirit dancing in his body. You could tell I kind of locked her up. She's like, yeah. I said, okay. So when, when Grandpa Russellton would raise his hands, was that the Holy Spirit doing that, or was he doing oh, it was the Holy Spirit? I said, okay. Now, this is where I, I transferred into, transitioned into a smart aleck teenager. I didn't try to. But I went into smart little teenager because I'm trying to figure this out, and it's not making sense. And by the way, my mother was wrong, okay? I asked her, I said, so Grandpa Ossington's got his hands up in the air, and he's worshiping God. Does that, that means the Holy Spirit's the one who raised his hands? Yes, he was all by the Holy Spirit. I said, so he could lift his feet off the ground. He's like, what? I could, he could, like, do leg presses, you know, crunches. Because his hands are in there, Holy Spirit's holding his hands. She said, that's, don't you disrespect the, you know, that kind of thing. But here's the thing. It took me a few years later to realize as I became an adult, my mom was wrong about that. You, you can dance in the Spirit, but you're the one who chooses to. You can pray in the Spirit, but you're the one who chooses to. It's your mouth. Holy Spirit's not going to take over your body. This is not an out-of-body experience where you're watching what's going on. You're still in control of your faculties. You raise your hands, you choose that. You pray in the Spirit, you choose that. You choose that right now. 
The, the reason that I don't just stand up here and speak in tongues is not because I don't have the ability to do that at a, at a drop of a hat or given moment. It's because it doesn't make sense to you. It wouldn't accomplish anything. That's the point of this. Okay? First thing, all of us should speak in tongues. Second thing, all of us should seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says you, and it was a, it was a general across the board, you. Third thing, the Holy Spirit gives the gifts as he wills to strengthen all of us. They're not our gifts, they're his gifts. And he used, that's why he says you should earnestly seek the gifts. You should always be seeking all the gifts. Your openness and willingness makes you available for the Holy Spirit to use some of those in your life. But it's not your gift, it's the Holy Spirit. He's using, he can use any of us at any given moment in any of the gifts. But you've got to be willing. You gotta be, that's the, that really is the only qualifier is willing. Okay. Fourth thing, the Lord wants to speak to us, heal us, and do miracles in our services, all of our services, through the Holy Spirit's power in us. He wants to do that all the time, and I believe that. I know that's true. He wants people to be healed around here constantly. He wants miracles to happen constantly. He wants us to, to have words of knowledge and prophecy and stuff constantly. He wants us to be praying in the Spirit and praying in our language constantly. I know this to be true, but what do we have to do? We've got to open up our heart and say, Lord, I, I want this. I need this. Stand with me, if you will. So this is what we're going to pray. <clears throat> I'm not expecting anything to happen now. That's, I, I mean, I'm definitely not against it, but I want you to relax. I don't want you to put too much emphasis on this second right now. What I want you to put emphasis on is to say, Holy Spirit, I want to be open to this. I want to get, if, if, if you're in here and you're saying, I'm, this is new to me, just get in the scripture and look at it. Read it. Don't, don't take what I'm saying. Read it. If you, this is what I think is part of our issue here, too, is I think some of you have been a Christian a long time. You've been walking in the Holy Spirit a long time, but it has also been a long time since you really let the Holy Spirit do something with you. And guys, we got to change that. we got to submit. we got to let go of our existence and say, Lord, what do you want to do? Remember, it's for love for each other and because the Lord wants to help us and encourage us and strengthen us. We need this stuff. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our world, our existence. All right, let's pray. God, God, we come before you. Lord, I pray for every one of us in here, that every one of us would seek your gifts because we love you. We love the people around us. We need your power. I need to be strengthened. They need to be strengthened. Every one of us in here needs to be encouraged, lifted up. And so, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your gifts. God, there are people in this room that need to be healed. We need the gift of healing. There are people in this room that need to be set free from stuff. God, we need gifts of miracles. We need words of knowledge and word of wisdom that comes supernaturally into our world. That's beyond our existence. Lord, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us tell people about you. Jesus. So God, I pray that every one of us would be open to your gifts in our life. God, it's at our life groups, at our home Bible studies, that we would have the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. In our services, we'd have the gifts of the Spirit in operation. In our, in our families at home, we'd have the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Jesus, we need this. God, if there's anybody that's scared of this, Holy Spirit, just let them know. Bring them your peace and let them know what you want to do and how you want to do it. And God, I know, Holy Spirit, I know, you, you don't make anybody do anything. So God, help us to just go there. Help us to spiritually, mentally go there. But you want to do some big stuff with us. We thank you. You 
use us. God, I pray that every one of us this week that we'd be processing this, we'd be thinking about it, getting in the scripture, talking to you about this, really trying to figure out what are you saying to us? God, not what, not what Scott is saying, but what you're saying to us. God, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed with me just for a minute. I want, I want us to pray together as a group. And I want us to pray that um, Jesus would be in charge of our life. I don't want to just assume every one of us in here that we're, that we're walking in relationship with Jesus. So we're all just going to pray together. But if, you, if that's you, if that's your heart, you're saying, I really need Jesus as Lord of my life, as God of my life. I could just to pray along with this prayer and make it your prayer. But every one of us repeat this prayer, but make this your prayer if it's, if it's your heart for Jesus to be in charge of you. So let's pray together. Lord God, we need you. We need relationship with you. Thank you for sending Jesus and his blood on the cross gives me that relationship. So I ask you to forgive me of anything I've ever done that's not pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for grace. Lord, thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for being patient with us and jumping into our world. Lord, help us to be open and humble, really seeking you, seeking your presence in our life so that we can love Jesus better, serving better, knowing better, and then tell others about him. We pray all this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to leave you with this. Somebody this week is going to need Jesus. You need to pray in the Spirit before you get to them so you're strengthened personally. Then tell them about Jesus, which strengthens them. And that's walking in the Holy Spirit. That is walking in the Holy Spirit. So do the best you can with God, that, and God will honor that in your life. Shake somebody's hand. Hug their neck. If you're going to come to our house tonight, tell me. If uh, not, we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day.